He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Hallelujah! What a, an earth-shattering welcome. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, it is the work of Jesus on the cross that gives us reason to be here this morning, that makes us, Lord, be related to one another. That causes us to gather to hear from you and from your throne room. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. And thank you for your promised and abiding presence. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a vessel you have chosen to use this morning. To speak to your, your word to your people that you have redeemed with your precious blood. Father, this morning, I pray that you will cleanse me of anything that will be a hindrance to the move of your spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus that you graciously use this vessel of clay. Father, let the light of your word dawn in the hearts of your people. Let the word of God, which God you say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, be bread to your people this morning. Father, be a hammer and be a sword, for the word of God is quick and powerful and pierces through every bone and every joint and puts asunder everything, Lord, because of the sharpness of your word. Let the entrance of your word bring light. Your word that is a light, to our path and a lamp to our feet. Let that be so this morning in your presence. I ask for grace. I ask for anointing. Lord, I abandon myself to you. Let this word have free course and let it be glorified in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Well, as I often say, I count it um, a surprise and a privilege <laughs> to be here. Amen. Bishop Joel, when he got to know that I was coming for the wedding in Connecticut, was making so many moves and so many maneuvers, including coming to visit you here. And uh, at a point, he was filling the calendar too much 
Then I said, Bishop Joel, at a point I have to go home. So the rate at which you are going, I think you should consider how much time I have. But hey, it's a privilege to be here. And this is my first time of speaking in your cathedral. I was here for the dedication, but I've never attended a service here. So for me, it's a novelty, and I give God the glory. Amen. And um, I also want to salute all the pastors, lady pastors, shepherds, leaders who stand on this side of the map, of the globe. Amen. Fighting side by side with us, working side by side to bring God's kingdom to all of us. Amen. I always say that no matter how anointed Bishop Dag is, he's not Jesus Christ, so he can't be at many places at the same time. But even Jesus Christ needs people like you and I to stand with him. So we don't take your support and your standing with us for granted. We say, may God bless you. And may he who sees in secret reward you openly. Amen. Well, for your pastor, I have known him before he had a beloved. And I have known him before he knew the Lord. And at a point, he was my follow-up partner. And he was also using my husband, Bishop Doug, as a sounding board to see whether this beloved, he fine or he no fine. <laughs> and I used to go and beloved those in the room next to him. But at a point, he went for um, a postgraduate or something in a biochemistry because he was on top of his class. And, uh, and when he came back, he didn't have a room. So he was sharing my husband's bed. So he was a, uh, an encumbrance, but you know, we tolerated him. And he brought the latest sound system. And then my husband would be saying, wow, Nosh, you get the equalizer. And then they'll be saying, hey, the music is... T -t -t. It was lost on me. For me, music is music. I didn't know what they were talking about. But you see, like I said at the wedding I attended this weekend, it's all about relationships. And it's about long relationships. And it's about lasting relationships. Amen. So I'm here also because of relationship. Amen. And we are even in Christ because of relationships. And then his wife, Lady Pastor Elaine, was my protege, if you like. And uh, she, she came to sixth form in the school where I was. And when she came, a senior, People were asking her, so what school are you from? What grades did you? Then I saw that she was near tears. And she was from another school. So her cousin was my friend. Her cousin said, let's go and bail this my young cousin out. 
and that started a long relationship. And then she also chose my, um, she made the same choice of subjects that I had made. So when I was leaving, she and LP Emilia, I also left them what I had. But I am surprised that she didn't become a professor. It is only God because she's very academic and she's very sharp, very, very sharp. <laughs> she always made straight A's, always very devoted. And I think she would have loved to be a lecturer, but God had other plans and her husband too. <laughs> so anyway, we thank God for your pastor and his wife, and for all the lovely pastors. Time will fail me, but I have a relationship with all of you. And that's so beautiful in the kingdom of God. Amen. And then you also, church members, thank you for being here. Because if you were not here, there'll be no one to preach to. So your presence means so much. God bless you. Some of you, you are just checking in the register for today, but you are welcome. Nonetheless. And then to my lovely saved children. Thank you so much. I got born again at a very young age, at the age of nine. And I think that I just thank God because I think God was just merciful and saved me at that age. But that has always given me a very soft heart towards young people. And I know that young people, you are the future. And so don't let some boy or some girl derail your course in your walk with God. And God will definitely show you his faithfulness. Amen. We are looking forward to coming to the weddings of the young people. And we'll all be related because you are going to marry this one because I know the mother and the father. <laughs> Amen. So may it be. I also want to greet my husband, the bishop, Bishop Dag. For making the way for me to be here. Amen. He sent me to the wedding and I went humbly and obediently and also with joy. And today I happen to be here because he has allowed it. So God bless him. And then also whenever I go to a branch, I'm humbled by his obedience. And I just think, wow, we pastor's wives have to be very careful. Because sometimes we don't know what is in the womb of the man that God calls. And so when we, if we had misbehaved, we would not even have had the opportunity to see what would have been. I don't know if you understand. But you know, so God give us grace to be the helpers that he has called us to be. So on that note, I salute Bishop Dag and also Apostle Joel. I believe that Apostle Joel is the most transferred bishop in this hemisphere. But he has always gone with humility, with obedience, 
with faith in God, knowing that if God moves him from New York to Chicago, from Chicago to wherever, he just knows that it will work. And even if you have a heart for God, change is not easy. But I want to salute him for being malleable in the hands of God and also a worthy assistant that God has blessed Bishop Dag with and this church with. And church, I want to tell you, learn to appreciate your pastors. Don't wait till they are no more. Then you are going to buy wreaths and things, you know, but appreciate them, especially in secret. And let the things you say in your secret places line up with what you, you act out when we come to church. Amen. I'm sure you are saying she should get on with what she has to say and all these long things. But all these things are also important. Amen. This morning I'm preaching on a topic that I think many have heard before. And um, it's just one word and it's backsliding. Backsliding. Develop your staying power. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, have you developed your staying power? Hmm. Amen. Now, I'll just speak briefly and we shall be on our way. Amen. You know, God raised up Jeremiah and Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because he kept weeping over Israel and God gave him very difficult sermons to preach. You know, and he had to tell the people of Israel very difficult things that God had said. And most of the things Jeremiah had to say were prompted by the fact that Israel, though being God's people, were in a backslidden state. Amen. Now, in my few years of knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord, a lot of Christians backslide without knowing that they are backslidden. Sometimes they feel they have become more mature. Sometimes they think they become more experienced. And sometimes when they are talking, they'll say, oh, this pastor, we know him. When he came, what did he have? We were here with his two-door car. You know, Dr. Nosh used to have a two-door car. And when the church was starting, he hosted my husband in the basement where there were no windows. And my husband has not ceased to say that. But we thank God for humble beginnings. Amen. So you say, this pastor, I know him. I know his history. I know his genealogy. I know so. It's not now that I'm coming to receive from him. The problem is that you have actually backslidden. And you are backslidden in your heart. The things of God that you used to value the things of God, the church that you used to love, you have now become so familiar and you speak anyhow and you think that it's a sign of maturity. But actually, you have backslidden in your fear of God. You have backslidden in the way you fear the things of God. You have backslidden in your devotion to God. But the unfortunate thing is that when you are walking on this Christian road, there are no 
overt signboards that say backsliding 200 meters away backsliding 300 meters ahead curved road danger it's not like that so it's often a very slow process or gradual I should say and you don't know and then before you know you are there so God in giving um, Jeremiah his word said that I'm going to give you a word for the people of Israel because they have gone back in their walk with me and I'm going to use analogies to tell you their state you know so the Bible says in Matthew 20 16 that many are called but few are chosen amen even in exams many are called when I was going to the law school in Ghana that was in 1980 82 sorry some of you your father had not met your mother right and um, of course I say it with all deference that they picked the cream from the results all over Ghana and then in first year you would come with all your good grades and everything but you would do an exam and that exam they would choose 40 people in the whole of Ghana so when you see somebody who was a lawyer from the 80s you should doff your hat because 40 people in the whole of Ghana anyway so after the first year or during the first year we all knew there's going to be an exam and all that so you prepared and readied yourself for it then at the end when we came back to second year the list was there and then from 1 to 40 these 40 have been chosen to do LLB and then the rest who had by the way come in with very good grades would now have to go and look for anything to do because you had two other subjects so although you did so well because you chose law you didn't get to go to the other departments that also wanted high grades and you stayed hoping that you'll be in the 40 then when you finished you were not in the 40 and then they gave you the two other options you had left to go and do so all of us were called to the University of Ghana we were called to the law faculty by the end of the day some were chosen it is like that in your work with God we may all be in a church together we may all even be God's creation but the chosen ones is not everybody who is chosen and the Bible says that we must endure to the end Matthew 10 22 he that endureth to the end shall be saved not he that started the race not he that came early not he that has been in the church for a long time but he that has staying power he that endures to the end shall be saved why does the bible say that because before you endure you will see many things amen somebody between starting and finishing a lot of things come up in life a lot of things and you will have a lot of uh, opportunity to want to return a lot you know sometimes people feel that because my husband is the 
presiding bishop founder and then I am his wife and you know so we we don't feel like leaving the church you are making a mistake you are making a big mistake we have so much opportunity to want to walk away amen and we also get hurt you see not long ago somebody was in my office and telling me what her pastor had done or whoever had done and how hurt she was and I listened to her and I comforted her and I told her oh okay I'll ask your pastor about what you have said but anyway do you know how many pastors the church has and she said oh yeah the last time daddy was doing flow I think 6,000 and I said yes yeah, 6,000 so if each of you has offended us before times 6,000 how much is that amen but that is not what we are following the Bible doesn't say as many as are led by their heads as many as are led by their offenses as many as are led by their experiences as many as are led by their bad experiences as many as are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God amen church so between beginning and finishing is enduring and that is where a lot of us fall by the wayside a lot of us get angry and that anger is not healed I'm coming to all that and in the end we backslide and we even go out sometimes of the kingdom of God amen hmm turn to your neighbor and say I hope it's not you and with some people you know when you say oh I'm coming to preach about backsliding they say oh that's for me I'm here forever oh. as I've come to know the Lord I'm not going anywhere the Bible says in 1st Corinthians 10 verse 12 let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall in your work with God you must never think you have arrived and you must never think you know everything already we must always have a humble spirit and the spirit of a servant so that God can still work in us and so that we don't fall by the wayside let him that thinks the fact that you think doesn't mean it's true so let him that thinks he stands like Peter when Jesus is telling you not even a, a, a flesh and blood prophet who, Jesus is telling you that before the cock crows twice you will deny me three times instead of saying Lord pray for me so that I said me never Lord me never and yet when it happened Jesus just looked at him and Peter started weeping and went out why because he felt that he was standing and Jesus told him that Satan has desired to sift you like wheat Satan desires to sift each and every one of us like wheat but Jesus said I have prayed for you that what that your faith may not fail because the most important thing about us is our faith when your faith fails everything else follows amen so let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall so as we talk about 
the signs of backsliding or the principles of backsliding or don't say minus me you see i have a friend who is a missionary wife and she told me that when she was doing her marriage counseling and they came to problem solving in marriage and the pastor was looking at the marriage manual and said so when you are angry with each other do not shout and then she would look at her husband she said oh do some people shout at each other I mean do people really marry that way wow and then the next point was do not say always you always come late you always don't care you always said wow people must have a lot of problems you always come late and she says to mommy the next they said you never do this you never listen you never care you never this you don't say, wow what proud marriage is made in heaven so all these things they don't apply to us she told me when she married one day something happened and her husband screamed you are the one i'm talking to say, the thing they said in the counseling has happened to me let him that thinks he stands she said sister mommy the marriage council all of it i didn't think it applied to me when they said that oh no our love is made in heaven you see these type of people they didn't really know and their love wasn't really solid but as we are ours is solid it's rock solid she told me at a point she used to cry then she would be rummaging through the things to get her marriage manual she was now going to do self-counseling let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall amen now backsliding is likened to a broken system jeremiah 2 verse 13 biblical descriptions of backsliding i'll just give you one or two jeremiah 2 13 they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water amen so when you backslide you forsake the cistern that gives you fresh water living water and then you go and embrace broken cisterns and because you are spiritually blind to you the cistern is the best uh, what spring water you ever came across but what you are putting your hope in and all that is broken and Jesus is standing there with his fountain of living water and you are not seeing it when you backslide you go and drink from systems that are broken you know sometimes in Ghana in some of the remote areas I'll be watching a documentary and I'll see that people drink from very muddied waters some of the communities and then the documentary said that when they finish they bath in the same water amen they move their bowels in the same water and after that they fetch it to also go and cook and that leads to so many waterborne diseases 
That is how we are as Christians in the realm of the spirit. God is giving you living water like the woman at the well. But you say, no, 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 no. I will bring the water from a broken cistern that all the mud seeps into, that all the dead, I prefer that to the living water that God has given me. God presents you with his love. Then you go for some broken cistern love. Some guy who is not married to you has been slapping you all his life. And then you just stay. You say, love is strange. Indeed, love is strange. Love is strange, but the neighbors don't find it strange. They find you strange for the way you are behaving. Amen. Like the woman at the well, she felt that relationships could cure her. So instead of the living water Jesus was giving her, she was rather making excuses and being a know-it-all like some of you. When Jesus said, oh, if you knew who was asking you for living water, say, really? Why? Are you a prophet? Do you know our father Jacob? Do you know the world we fetch? I mean, concentrate on the main thing. But you are looking at other things. And she had been in five relationships. And the sixth one, the man was not her husband. I mean, sometimes I wonder why you will go five times. Is the statistics not high enough? But she was exchanging the fountain of living water for broken systems. And she kept going from one relationship to another, finding, uh, looking for self-esteem, looking for value, looking for love, looking for fulfillment. When the greatest of all love had living water to offer us. Beloved, do not go and take broken cisterns in place of the living water that Jesus offers you. That is backsliding. Amen. Now I want to quickly move on to things that cause us to backslide. Okay? Some things cause us to backslide. But before I even go there, one of the, you see, it's um, exchanging a broken system for living water or living water for a broken system. And also when we are playing the harlot as a lover. So in Jeremiah 3, 1, God says, Thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. What does the Bible say? Love not the world. There's John 2, 15. Nor the things that are in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Pride. Do you know what brings the pride of life? Your many degrees. You are so conscious of your many degrees more than you are of the fact that you are a child of God. So when you are coming through the door, hey, you can't come, you are big. And when you come to the church, you don't have a servant's heart because nobody should tell me what to do. Do they know who I am at work? In the kingdom of God, who you are at work doesn't tick the boxes. Jesus said, if you want to be great in his kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. So when we are ministers, we are chief servants. Amen. But now we are getting wrong ideas. As if when you are a minister, you are a star. You are not a star. Amen. 
So the Bible says in Jeremiah, you have played the harlot with many lovers. So the woman is married to the man of her dreams, but then she decides to go after other men. Yeah, I know the story of a woman who used to jump the wall. And the husband is asleep, she jumps the wall. Not hearsay. Not hearsay. She developed all her gymnastic uh, abilities. She will jump the wall because she is looking for something out there. And she had a stable marriage, a working marriage. Sorry to say, in the end, the man was very forgiving, but at a point, he couldn't continue. So God is also very um, tolerating and he's very merciful. But when you backslide and you keep breaking his heart, he keeps warning you, you keep doing the same thing, and you are a, a, a lover of harlots. What you have is Jesus Christ, but by him are four other men. Amen. One is called personal reputation. One is called pride of life. One is called the lust of the eyes. Anything you see that's shiny, you will exchange it for Jesus. Anything that entices you, you will exchange it for Jesus. Even your sleep, you will exchange so you don't come to church. Sometimes Christians don't know why they do what they do. That's why they backslide. You come to church because of Hebrews 10.25. Not because of your husband. Sometimes some pastor's wives come to me and say, me when my husband doesn't treat me right, Auntie Mommy, I don't feel like coming to church. I said, ah, it's true, it's a feeling. But the reason why you come to the house of God must be established scripturally to you. That is because of Hebrews 10, 25. Not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. And guess what the Bible says? As the habit of some of you, a lot of you, that's your habit. Sunday is the day when you are lying in. But you have energy to go and look at a new car, a new phone, to go shopping. But when it's Sunday, you say, hmm, let me look at the weather. Hey, the forecast is not good. Though. But you get up and go to work because you have exchanged Jesus for a harlot. Amen. And then when you enter the door, you say to yourself, Pastor, today you are lucky, Pastor, that I've come to church. I came for your sake because of you. And this church, when you don't go, they will call you, yeah, I don't like stress. So that's why I'm here. So you are here for stress, not because you, you know that Jesus knows better than you. And he says, not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. That is why you are depressed. And that is why the more antidepressants you take, the more depressed you become because the side effects are no good. David said, I was glad. Not I was annoyed. Not I felt being bothered. When they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Don't exchange Jesus for another man for your flesh, for what makes you happy, is not going to work. Amen. Now, what are the principal causes of backsliding? Please, Shelly, you have to give me time because you know. 
There are certain predominant causes of backsliding. The first one I want to speak to you about is shallowness. Shallowness. Mark chapter 4. Mark is not the last book in the Old Testament. Please, it's not. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, verse 17. Are you there? Are you there or you are not there? Let me know. You are there. Okay. Mark chapter 17. I wanted to see if I could get the message version. Hmm. It's talking about the sower. He went to sow seeds. And Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. Verse 17, message Bible. But there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off, and some difficulty arrives there's nothing to show for it he's talking about when the sower sowed the seeds the ones that fell among the rock and jesus is explaining that this is also a type of hearer and that these have no root in themselves amen hmm. King James verse 17 and they have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake immediately they are offended amen somebody hmm they have no root in themselves this verse shows me that your root is supposed to be within yourself because when you don't have a root in yourself and there's a type of root on the surface any wind of affliction that blows will blow you away amen what does the bible say many are the afflictions of the righteous not few Hmm. But the Lord delivers him from them all. And the Bible is saying that you, when we have no root in ourselves, we endure. It says that these are the people that when they hear the word of God, they receive it with joy. They receive it but with joy. But afterwards, so in your walk with God, there will always be an afterwards. You remember when you got born again, you were very excited. You remember when you got born again, it was like your first love. It's like, wow. And you remember when you first came to this church, you said, hey, did something like that exist and I didn't know? I'm so happy. I saw this church, I'll never leave it. But as you went along, there came an afterward. And that afterward blew you away. And so they endure, but for a time, just a season. But afterward, when affliction affliction is trouble affliction is difficulty affliction is pain when affliction arises or persecution hmm, why do these things arise for the word's sake when the word is preached because of that word in you and entering you satan knows that the word is a sword of the spirit the word is God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He knows that the word is light. So he should not allow the word to take root. 
So when that happens, because of the word, he introduces persecution and affliction so that we will not hold on to the word. And so that we will not have roots in ourselves. Amen, somebody? Persecution and affliction arise for the word's sake. You don't know it's because of the word. Say, eh, what she did, I didn't like. What they said, and this church, they talk about people. And they said, and then when you went to the next church, they also talked about people. And before we know, you are out. Amen. <laughs> and immediately they are offended. The offense is immediate. Immediately. But you don't see Satan's long-term plan. That's why. I've seen many like that. Many. Many. Somebody came and said, ah, I used to be with you in Kolegona. I said, I remember your face. What happened? Ah, my something died and then they didn't come. And then I left. When I left, then hmm, some man came. And then when I went, I said, Mommy, I could wake up in the morning. Half of my face is swollen. But it's for five years. But now I said that, let me come home. Uh, so I've come. <laughs> when affliction and persecution arise, let me tell you something. Even when God calls you, affliction and persecution will arise on account of the word that he has given you. Do you understand? And you say that, I mean, after all, what? Let me go to a cool church. A cool church that they don't know me. A cool church that they won't give me work to do. Today is the center. After that, the center. After that, the center. I'm tired. Let me go to a church that I'll just be coolly there. But what did Jesus say? He said that because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Amen. So as you know, I know that by the grace of God, God has called me. But it has not been an easy journey. And afterwards, I remember when my husband first took me to a charismatic church. Oh, I was so excited. I'd never seen, I was coming from an Orthodox church and it was just my friend. He took me to a charismatic church. And then when the pastor is preaching, then the people will shout, preach on. I said, hey, I've not seen this before. The pastor is preaching. They are also saying something. Oh, wow. Preach on. They'll say, hallelujah. Hey, hey. Then the choir came. There's excitement. I said, hey, a choir can dance like this. Ooh, I've never seen a church like this before. If I join a church like this, I don't see what will let me go out. Nothing. My beloved, afterwards, affliction and persecution, they arose. Amen? You know, lately somebody said, I should do something for her. She had been asking me for a lot of favors. And I'd been doing, 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 doing. And the last one is that I should go and bring her mother and live with her. I said, well, that one I can't do. And her own father had told me that, don't do it. She takes advantage of you, don't do it. So I said, oh, that one I can't do. So I think you should bring her to where you are. And then and the person flipped. And then she called somebody in the church. Said, mm. After all, what does she do in the church? She just sits in front and wears pretty little dresses. That's all she does. That's all she does. So 
The first was a lady pastor. When I met her, she said, hey, what happened? This lady called me. She was angry. She said, you, you don't do anything in the church. You just sit in front and you wear pretty little dresses. I said, oh, I'm even going to wear more pretty little dresses. But I mean, the careless way in which we talk. You see, and when God gives you the word of the call, I remember that my main struggle was not with God. My main struggle was with men. I said that if I wear my dress, they'll say it's for first offering. If I wear my shoes, they'll say it's flow prayer. If I take my bag, they'll say it's mission Sunday. I said, Lord, I, 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 I want to obey you, but I can't. Because of the way people talk, I can't. But you see, as soon as God gives you the word, persecution will arise. And I think that what is sometimes an advantage is disadvantages when you are educated. You always feel you have options. Do you see? So help me Shelly sit here. I came into the office one day and I said, you know, all these goings on and what, I'm tired though. I've decided to go and be a court of appeal judge. And she said, hey, mommy, what are you saying? I said, yes, I'm fed up. And these very people, they will appear before me. And Shelly, before I sit down, they can't sit down before I sit down. When I'm coming from the back, they'll say, her ladyship at Lady Heward Mills presiding. Is the church that uh, 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 what uh, uh, balances you out, and then people feel that what? And she said, "Oh, mommy," I said, "Shelly, it's true. After all, if I'm not in full-time ministry, I'm still serving God. You will not believe it." And I said to her, "Call Justice. This she's in charge of gender, whatever court. Call her and call this person. Tell them I need question banks to go back to the judiciary. After all, what?" And she was looking at me, she said, eh? I said, I've given you an instruction. So she went to call the justice, whatever. That afternoon, I decided to go and visit my mother-in-law. No, Satan, eh, he will always give you the right. So I was, I parked on the side of the road and I was crossing. Then a very sleek car slowed down. When I looked into it, a policeman, bodyguard here, bodyguard here. And then a lawyer with her bib and her, hey. When it rode, I said, why has the person rode? And then the lady said, hello, Adelaide. Said, ah, it's you. She said, yes. And I said, ah, but you used to work in private practice. Oh, I left some time ago. I'm now a judge. You see, the very thing I want to be. I'm now a judge. I said, really, so how is it? She said, oh, it's very good. And I said, so how do you like arrive at judgments? And she said, oh, you know, the judicial service trains you. So it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. So when you get the case, then you fit it in. And then all the authorities, the precedents, they just fall in place. I said, wow. I said, this one, dear, I can see my future. <laughs> and then when I see the church people, they will say, hey. Uh, so she had somewhere to go after all. So I called, and then there was a guy in the Kodesh who works at the court. He said, Mommy, really? I'll get you all the question banks. And I think that recently they even did, Oh, Mommy, I'll get all for you. 
So I said, yeah, I'm not even going to share it. Before they know, I will take a letter with one line. I resigned from this organization. And then the next morning, I was in my closet and I was weeping. And the Lord said, who called you? You called me. So, huh? So now, what's that pride of life? Eh, just as he was most presiding. Eh, 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 and so what? I said, yeah, Lord, you know, my problem is always not with you. It's this type of people you call church members. Oh. I thank God that the Holy Spirit is always our helper. And thank God that he has put a root in me. You know, so I knew that it's not what I want. It's not what even the world wants. It's not what makes me comfortable. It's the word I heard going into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. But I could still go through the motions and nobody will even know that my heart has changed. Except the Holy Spirit dealt with me. Nobody, everybody, it will be normal. You come to the choir, you sing. You sit down, the next time you get up, you preach, you share, you... Nobody knows your heart. Only God. Amen. And God brought me with a jolt to my feet. Then I said, you deserve the glory. And the honor. Lord, I give it all to you. Then after that, I was going somewhere around the church and I saw Bishop Saki and I said, are you people... I was going to resign, yeah. So every day we hear, it never happens. <laughs> but persecutions arise on account of the word. You see, the word is going to preach the gospel. The word is responding to his call. The word is anything God has said concerning his word. And persecution will arise on account of that. But if you don't have any root in yourself, because as for the affliction and the persecution, it is promised. The Bible says, they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But the Christians of today have no resilience. They don't want to suffer for anything. They don't want to pay a price for anything. They don't want to sacrifice for anything. And when you tell them this verse, they say, hey, mommy, but it's hard, oh. I said, did God say it would be easy? Amen. So when you don't have a root, what happens is that when you are going through these things I was going through, no word will rise up to you because there's no root. You never meditated on the word. You never built your relationship with God. You never had quiet time alone. All that you know about Christianity is the crowd one. But the personal relationship in your closet, you don't know. All that you know is that I must be seen on stage. You think it's easy? <laughs> Amen. Persecutions and afflictions arise on account of the word. And because they have no roots in themselves. Church, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ must grow up. The body of Christ must mature. We must know God for ourselves. We must know why we do the things we do. We must know why we come to church on Sundays. We must know why we have pastors. We must know why loyalty. Amen. 
We must know why we even marry. This is when I ask young people, why do you want to marry this person? Oh, because she's very caring. And uh, when I'm hurting, she knows. And uh, she's very soft. And uh, she's all that is true. But bottom line, marriage is a covenant. It's not about what the person is doing for you. It's about what God's word says concerning you. Amen. Because not every day the person will be romantic to you. There are times you don't want the person's little toe to even touch you. But before you marry, every day we'll say, don't go in the dark. Don't, what, you can't help. Hey, I want to hold him. I want to. Now you have married in persecution as a reason. You say, I'm moving to the next room. What type of nonsense is this? You have no root in yourself. The root is not going to come from anywhere. God says that we may be firmly rooted and grounded in him. In him. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And also, you receive the word of God with joy. You see, sometimes I preach it. What a word. This, but when the persecutions arise... The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 10, if you faint in the time of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the time of adversity, your strength is small. You know, I used to think of myself as, and I still do, as God's pampered child. Because I used to say that to myself, that everything I ask God for, he does. Everything I ask him for, he just does it. So I used to secretly think, oh, I must be very special to God. When I faced the greatest affliction of my life in the loss of my son, then I started to say, God, how can you do this? How can you allow even serial killers grab their life? Amen? Affliction and persecution arose. But the root in yourself is his word because the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the things which God has spoken. Now, you, you don't know the things he has spoken. So what should the Holy Spirit use to remind you? There's nothing to remind you of because in the first place, there's no storage. It's not about where you live. It's not about your six-figure salary. It's not about your immigration status. It's about whether you have roots in yourselves, in the things of God. Amen, somebody. <laughs> if you faint in the time of affliction, your strength is small. A time of testing will surely come for every Christian. If you are shallow in the time of testing, you will fail. Through experience, I have noticed that many Christians don't have deep roots. They don't know God for themselves. That's why somebody can just come and talk to you and sway you away. You don't know God for yourself. That's why. Any news, any news fad, whatever, you, 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 you follow it and you go with it. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> they can't even explain why they do the things they do. They don't know why they speak in tongues. 
Jude 21, but you beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. When you pray in the spirit, you build yourself up. And sometimes when you are praying, you feel that ah, but I'm saying the same things. But the Bible says that with stammering lips, they shall speak in tongues. You, you don't know all these things. Not because God has hidden them from you, but you have invested in everything. You have invested in Mary Lynch, whatever, whatever, but investment in spiritual things, no. You don't have any investment. Therefore, when affliction arises, you will go under. <laughs> they don't even know why they give offerings. <laughs> you know, we give offerings because God says, bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. Now, some preacher said, Oh, but tithe is outmoded and you don't have to pay tithe. And, and you, you have not studied your Bible. You don't know that tithes were before even Moses' law. Because Melchizedek gave tithes. Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. And this is before Moses' law. But you, you don't know. And you also not ask. When they are doing basenta, you won't go. When they ask questions, you will not learn. Everything you are sleeping. Everything is the flesh. So you, you have no, no roots. And that's why when they say, okay, give a worthy office, mm, the pastors, they just want to buy cars. Do you think there's not a more sounder way of getting things than this way? Is there not a quieter, more dignified way of prospering than this? My father-in-law said to my husband, oh, so you stopped working. So that you live off people's offerings. These are collections. He said, Radha God, what is happening to my son? You are a medical doctor. You want to live from people's offerings. But you heard the word. Your relatives did not hear the word. You heard the word. And like my father said, if you want me to be who I am, then toe my line. But if you are going to marry and be in this church and things, then the tap is closed. It's finished. But what verse kept us? Through much persecution and tribulation, we must enter the kingdom. And that was enough. Not because we are superhuman, but because his word gives you strength. I tell you. Amen. They don't even know why they give offerings. When they face a little criticism, they get confused and have no defense. Having no personal experience with God, these are the people who can never say, God spoke to me. They have no convictions of their own. You see, when you don't have any conviction of your own, any wind of doctrine can blow you. Do you understand? When God asked me, who called you? It was in my closet. But I could say, you did, because I have that personal conviction. Marriage is a calling. It's not a choice by like, let me see. Do I still want to be here? Mm. I don't think so. This is how I feel. Then you just check out. It's not like that. The Bible says that the word of God has been tried like silver seven times. And it was there before you came. And it's light. So God knows. Before you, you are now coming to find out, making your, yourself a guinea pig in the laboratory of life. Everything you want to experience before you believe. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith. 
who having no root in themselves when persecution and affliction arise then they are off you must know why you do the things you do shallowness the second cause of backsliding is <laughs> emptiness emptiness <laughs> emptiness Luke chapter 11 verse 24 Luke chapter 11 verse 24 to 25 hmm Shelly is it not time <laughs> Luke chapter 11 when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none he saith i will return unto my house whence i came out 25 and when he cometh he findeth it swept and garnished please continue then goeth he and taketh to himself to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first this is an evil spirit that was cast out of somebody's life now the bible says the evil spirit went and was roaming in waterless places and he couldn't find a comfortable place and he said ah let me go and check out my old house maybe there's room there when he came the old house was empty so this time he said i have to bring all my relatives so that my eviction order will not work so he brought seven demons more evil than himself more wicked and then they came and made their place when you get born again if you are empty you don't fill your life with anything you don't fill your life with his word you don't fill your life with his presence you don't fill your life with worship you don't fill your life with the fear of god the demon that left when he comes you would have swept the house clean but you filled it with nothing so the demon will come and fill it for you amen and then people will say that ah even when he was not born again it was better now that he's born again it has become worse the way he behaves and i don't think hey so can people backslide like that yes people can backslide like that because if you don't fill your life with good things backsliding will certainly be your portion amen now jesus said oh no paul that if i have love I, and i uh, if i do this i do that i do that i don't have love i'm like an empty barrel in the same way if we don't fill our hearts with good things bible says and be filled with the spirit and be filled with the spirit a lot of us are filled with other things when the woman with the alabaster box came to jesus to anoint his feet the bible says the disciples were filled with indignation they were filled with anger that story i don't understand it because the money is not your own somebody has bought an expensive thing and she said i want to honor jesus with it your money is not there's no loss to you there's no contribution from you and yet you are filled with indignation so we are all filled with different things but you by all means be filled with something the bible says the pharisees they were filled with envy and so they crucified jesus even in ministry when you seem to be doing well people are filled with envy for no reason sometimes they don't even know you 
But they are just, they are just angry. Say, you think you are a multinational church and so what? You have not thought to. They are thinking. It's true. When Isaac went to dig the wells, the Philistines said that, go away from us because you are mightier than us. Isaac never said that. But when people see what God is doing and how you are mightier, you just become their enemy, but you haven't done anything. And your state becomes worse because you didn't fill your heart with anything. Turn to the person next to you and say, from today, no emptiness. Amen. Matthew 10, 24 to 25. I want to show you something there. Matthew 10, 24 to 25. Now, many of us also are empty. So when we are criticized a little, because we are empty, we can't take it. Because when you are empty, any wind that comes, it will blow you away. Do you see? So when the time of testing comes, it's like, God, as for this one, I can't take it. And then, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant about his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Belzebub, how, shall, how much more shall they call them of his household? But when they say, oh, you are a demon, or they say, your pastor is a demon, it's sacrilege. But Jesus said, you will be like your master. Amen. But because we are empty, we don't know all this. And even when it happens, we, we don't know what scripture to follow. But beloved, we cannot continue to be empty. And that is why the church helps you to grow. By putting you in smaller groups. By saying there's a prayer meeting, because he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself like working out. But all these things, you don't join. You have a mind of your own, your own independent spirit. You are moving like a free electron in the system. And I pray that God himself will have mercy on you. And finally, after emptiness comes bitterness. Bitterness. <laughs> Hebrews 12 verse 15 Lest any root of bitterness springing up from among you trouble you and defile others trouble you and defile others Many people walk out of a church because they are offended and because they become bitter We are often genuinely offended but the fact is we must allow our wounds to heal. When I was pregnant with Joshua, my second son, my husband used to go with me to antenatal. And the reason why we went to his former professor was because he was not charging us. He couldn't afford, so the former professor was free. And so one day on such a visit, my husband looked down and said, Prof, where's your toe? And he said, oh, you know, I was working in Saudi and I'm diabetic, but I got a wound and it never got healed because I didn't also treat it well. And so it became gangrenous and infected. And so they had to cut it. Otherwise, it will affect the whole body. That represents you and I. 
we really have a penchant for offense. And we need to trust God to develop stronger muscles so that we are not led by offense. When you look at Luke 17 verse 1, Luke 17 verse 1, it is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. You see, we are not a perfect church, but we are a good church. Amen. And the church will always be a human institution. But Jesus is telling you that as for offense, it is impossible that it won't come. Even your family, you were talking to your sister and she banged the phone. Or you banged the phone because you didn't want to hear what she has to say. Amen. So far as you are in this earthly body, offense will come. There will be misunderstanding. There will be things that you are genuinely mistreated about. But that should not lead you to bitterness. Because bitterness will find you outside there. Amen. I mean, as for opportunity to be offended, ask me, plenty. Often the people you love most, the people you've done the most for, they are the ones that when they are going, they don't even say bye. They are the ones that when you hear, you see, some years ago, and I hope you share is my witness again, a lady came to work for us. Hey, she was working in a place that when they work, the proceeds go to the orphanage. So me, I thought that all Christians are Christians. Hey, she was still, you know, and I didn't know. Then, as she worked at a point, we had to do auditing. I said, you have to stop this work. We have to let you go. But we've reported it and you have to now pay back. You have to pay back. So, mommy, please, I beg you to be by installment. Whatever. So I sent LP Shelley, go and talk to her. She said, hey, mommy. I went. The girl, how she carries herself. She's in some uncompleted household. So anyway, that's by the way. So we got a payment plan. She paid one, two, finished. Ah, from her. Then one day, I had to go with a young man to an educational institution for children who want to go in school abroad, somebody's son. So when we got there, the people were calling the girl. I didn't know it was, come, come. Hey, why are you running away? I didn't even think it was about me. So I just went, they said, ah, madam, do you know this person? They mentioned her name and her son. I said, no, I don't know her. I've forgotten. My husband says that God has blessed me with forgetfulness. So I forget people's sins. Anyway. So I said, oh, I don't know her. They said, ah, but when she saw you, she was running away. She didn't come. So I dealt with her. Then when I went to the office, I said, ah. Today I went to an office. They said a girl called you, was running away. Then my staff said, ah, but she is the thief. Have you forgotten, mommy? She is the thief. I said, ah. Oh. She's the thief. Oh, okay. Still owing us up to today. Then I see that people are writing Facebook things. She's the first. This church, very bad church, foolish. This, this. Hey, too brute. I mean, if people will even talk, then there are others to who repost what she puts. You see, you are a thief. I mean, crime. Fraud never dies. I can go 
and go and hurl you before court for what you did. And, and you still owe. And you are insulting us. Hey, the thief. Oh. Look. <laughs> when you look at such things, you have the opportunity to be bitter. And when you are bitter, you are triggered. And when you are triggered, you also go to Facebook and say, Hey, is that you? I'm putting the account up now. Make sure you come. And then what happens? The root of bitterness growing up from amongst you, it will trouble you. And that's not the end. You will defile other people because you will start to tell them, Do you know this? Do you know that? Have you heard? Do you know this? Because you are, it's from a bitter heart. And bitterness will lead you to backslide. Amen? Somebody just told me, she met a couple who said that eh, they were from one of our churches. And then the lady said, I had a beloved already. And they wanted me to marry some missionary. I'm like, really? You have a beloved who is a pastor. And they are looking for a missionary. For, well, I don't believe it. But let's take it that human beings make mistakes. So they left. And then they traveled to a foreign land. And when they got to the foreign land, they went to join the church again. And when they joined through somebody, they got a breakthrough. And then through the pastor. But the pastor then was asking her, oh, so this breakthrough, how much did it bring in? And then she also didn't say the correct thing. So the pastor was offended. So as soon as that happened, she said, I'm out of here. Then she went to join another church, not ours. When she went, it wasn't long. And then the pastor there took the church, went to start a branch on the same road. So then they decided that these churches, then they are not worth whatever. And the person telling me said, Mommy, I spoke to them. And they said that now we define ourselves as pagans. We define ourselves. Not even... a. Uh, maybe nominal christian how did it happen bitterness and you yourself from your own testimony you said the pastor is the one who helped you get that breakthrough but you've forgotten all that doesn't matter is whatever you are angry about and satan knows that before now it's not that you are not even in any church you are now an unbeliever you are now an unbeliever because the root of bitterness springing up from amongst us it's not going to come from far from amongst us it troubles us and when we are troubled we speak to everybody and then it defiles everybody and before we know we've even lost our faith why should that be i pray that the spirit of backsliding will not have its hold in this church and i pray that god will cause you to be mature so that bitterness will not eat you up amen one sure thing is when you are in a church like this expect that you will be offended expect that you will be hurt expect that you will be rubbed the wrong way but choose the path of the word which oftentimes looks not correct do you understand hmm. it's not everything that i can share but you have many opportunities to be bitter, but don't let bitterness lead you to walk away from God. The Bible says when you are a priest, you shouldn't have a boil. It means that your wounds must heal. 
Do you understand? Even in your marriage, the reason why your marriage is not working is because you are not able to let things go. You are not able to allow yourself to be healed. Yes, it happened, but we are married to imperfect beings and we ourselves are imperfect. Amen? But bitterness can destroy your home, destroy your church, and destroy everything that God is doing. And you will be going backwards, but you don't know. Now you've grown cold towards the things of God. You've grown cold towards the people of God. You've grown cold towards your pastor. And it makes you blind. You don't see all the good things that have been done for you. You see only tunnel vision. You see only what you feel you suffered. And let me ask you, do you also know the things you've done to hurt us? Do you also take account of that one? When you were in that mood and I came to talk to you and you had that face. Do you remember? There was a girl I went to talk to in closing. That day I didn't feel like talking. You remember, you know, there are some days like that. You don't feel like talking. You are going to church and you are just saying, Lord, I just want to be by myself. BPM. And then the first service was over and I saw the lady. And to me, she looked a bit... Somebody who needed ministry. So I went and I said, oh, my name is this. What's your name? And then she told me she was with her children. And then I said, oh, so please, uh, how long have you been coming to the church? About four weeks. And then I said, oh, okay. So have you thought of joining a ministry? What, what ministry? What ministry? And, oh, remember, I didn't feel like talking. I was so put off and I said next time I come to church I'll just sit myself no deep sea fitting people should just do what it came to pass after many weeks I was sitting in my office then Bishop Adi's wife came oh sister mommy this is very troubled lady you should meet you know I've spoken to her but I said sister mommy has to minister to you so come let's go. she's sitting out there can I bring her in I said oh sure bring her in when it came out, yours truly, this girl was so rude. So she came. <laughs> then I said, oh, hello. Then uh, LP Adina turned and said, oh, why, you know each other? And I said, well, kind of. And then the girl said, oh, so you remember me? And then I said, but how can I forget you? How? And then I said, oh, you know, she has this problem and this problem and this problem. And we thought that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. No need for bitterness. No need for settling scores. No need for showing her that's what you did. So I just said, you know, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. God's word says that this. And then she stood up and said, oh, Lady Reverend, I can't go. You must pray for me. I said, I'm me. I should lay my hands and say you. <laughs> But the word of God constrained my bitterness. Bitterness can take you out of ministry. Bitterness can take you out of God's call. Bitterness can take you out there before you know you've backslidden. So you are not bitter, not because the other person is right, but because your health is important and your spiritual well-being is important. Amen. So church, I came to tell you, develop same power. Don't let shallowness, emptiness, and bitterness lead you on the wrong path. 
But let the light of God's word, even when it's hard. What did Peter say? We have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. You, Jesus, you are not a fisherman. I am the experienced one. But you have come and say, I should let my net down here. That's faith. And when he did, their nets were breaking. Every Christian needs a nevertheless in your life. Every Christian. You see, Jesus, after rebuking Peter, when Peter said, you will not go to the cross, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm surprised that when he went to the garden of Gethsemane, he's now negotiating with God. If it be possible, let this cup pass. I said, ah, you rebuked Peter for saying don't go. Now the thing you have to go, you are negotiating. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. But what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Church, unless we come to that place, we will be tossed to and fro, like the Bible says, by every wind of doctrine. I drive out the spirit of backsliding. I drive out the spirit of bitterness. I drive out the spirit of emptiness. I drive out the spirit of shallowness. I drive out every deception of the enemy. And I say that God shall build his church in Newark and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Stand to your feet, please. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It's not just a formality. Open your, heart, your, your mouth and talk to God. Tell him, Lord, help me to find root in myself. Just like physical growth is from stage to stage, but it can be consistent and it can make us giants within so that when affliction and persecution arise, we will not just be whisked off. Pray the Lord, I want to be rooted and grounded in you. Lord, some of you struggle with his word or even loving his word. Pray and say, God, direct my heart into the love of God. Paul prayed that for a church. He said, direct your hearts. May God direct your hearts into the love of God. And some of you have to release some bitterness this morning. Bitterness in the church, bitterness against your pastor, bitterness against a friend, bitterness against your shepherd. Release it. For you will fail of the grace of God if you don't let go of that bitterness. And every shallowness is replaced with depth. And every emptiness is replaced by the filling of the Holy Spirit and of his word. Speak to God. Open your mouth. Talk to God. Tell him to do a work in you. Do something new in my life. Something new in my life, something new in my life. Oh Lord, oh God, let healing come. Do something new, something new, Lord. The grudges, the offenses, the pain, the hurt, Lord, the blindness, the deception. Do something new in this church, Lord. Do something new in my life. Something new in my life. Something new in my life. Oh, lay all the heads, the offenses, the 
advantage the enemy has sought to take Lord will not be granted anymore for you have said that we are not ignorant of his devices I pray oh God for healing I pray for a new beginning I pray oh God that offense will go out I pray oh God that rigidity and stubbornness in the face of your word it will give way I pray oh God that emptiness will leave the lives of your people shallowness of God and playing the harlotry with this world will go out and father in place of it we will be rooted and grounded in you our hearts will be filled with all the knowledge of God I leave your blessing here I leave your cohesion here I leave your unity here for your word says oh God that how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity for there you command your blessing father let there be a unity that commands profound blessings in this congregation and satisfy your people early with your mercy in jesus name amen, amen. every head bowed every eye closed do something new in my life. you are here today you know that you are in a backslidden state you know you have to renew your vows you have to renew your commitment to god forget about who is on your left or who is on your right jesus is reaching out to you you want to say lady reverend es whatever pray for me i need a new beginning maybe bitterness has been eating you maybe it's emptiness maybe it's shallowness maybe it's offense i cannot tell but jesus is here and he's reaching out to you maybe you have you have even never given your life to christ today he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking forget about who is on your left and who is on your right lady reverend pray for me i need a new beginning lady reverend pray for me i want to start all over with god lady reverend pray for me i need to give my life to jesus and have a new relationship with him lift up your hands wherever you are standing if that's you and I'll pray for you forget about who is on your left forget about who is on your right we are dealing with God here the Bible says and God shall wipe away every tear I don't know where you are coming from I don't know what offense has written has risen in your life but God is reaching out to you let your hands go high up your shoulder above your shoulder so that I can see you God bless you God bless you and if you have put up your hands come to me in front Jesus is here He's a healing Jesus. He's a God who can heal the brokenhearted. Clap for them as they come. Come. I saw your hands. Come. Come. Jesus is reaching out to you. Come. Come. Do something new in my life. Something new in my life. Something new. this prayer after me and mean it with all your heart Lord Jesus this morning I come to you just as I am Jesus come into my life 
and be the Lord and the master of my life. I shall not be led by my feelings. I shall not be led by my bad experiences. I shall not be led by the wisdom of men, but I shall be led by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, come into my heart and reign over everything in my life. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And thank you that because you have forgiven me, I can also forgive others. Thank you for the healing balm in Gilead. That heals every brokenness in my life. And thank you for a new beginning. I yield to you this morning. Have your way. Thank you for new life. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May the Lord touch you. May the Lord heal you and do something new in your life. May the Lord touch you where no surgeon's knife can touch. May the Lord give you tangible miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.